Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of Touched by a Horse. I'm your co-host, Chris Angel. Your, your co-host, yes. And your host today is Susan Bloom. Hello, Susan Bloom. Hello, Chris. Nice to see you. Where, you're, where are you out in the world? I am right now. I'm in northwestern Kansas in a little town called Oakley. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Kansas. I drove through Kansas once. <laughs> uh, yeah, we hear that a lot. Did yes. you get snowed in here? That's what we hear a lot. What was that? Did you get snowed in? Oh, yeah, right. Snowed in. Uh, actually, it was uh, in the summer, and it was like fields for miles with no, no street lights and uh, a lightning storm. So I could, every time it lightning, I could see the road again. <laughs> oh, cool. Yes, well, we're talking about um, your important work today. I mean, uh, uh, so I'll let you tell the story, but, um, but give me some of that. What is, what is the work you're here to do? What conversation are you leading in the world? Okay, so I, I grew up as the only doctor's only daughter here in this small rural community hmm. in northwestern Kansas. So I've kind of, I worked in his office some as a, a young adult and a teenager. And I've kind of seen healthcare from that side. Hmm. For five and a half years, my husband, um, I was his caregiver. He had been diagnosed with multiple, multiple um, diseases and was a very complicated case. Um, we traveled well over 10,000 miles to see doctors from locally, which was 20 to 90 miles, um, to MD Anderson in Houston, to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and we but in Denver, and then we finally landed at KU Med Center in Kansas City. Um, and about seven or eight months before he died, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I've seen healthcare from many sides. Wow. And yeah. I've seen what I like to call the good, the bad, and the ugly in healthcare. Hmm. The good, the bad, and the ugly in healthcare. Yes. What, what was, if you had to, from where you sit and sort of the conversation you're leading in the world, what's like the biggest problem that you've seen in healthcare? Well, there's, there's a major communications breakdown. You know, most people don't understand medical terminology and sometimes it's what the doctors are comfortable with and they fall back on. Mm -hmm. um, and people are intimidated by doctors. They kind of tend to feel like they're superhuman mm -hmm. and they can be afraid to ask questions and yeah. there are times that you just you need to sit down and ask those hard questions mm -hmm. i i know i several times asked the rheumatologist um are we sure we have the right diagnosis and they say? he would say yes i'm sure we do have that diagnosed right however there might be something else right right that's, that's totally unsettling. <laughs> that it it is. And, and the diagnosis that he had was um, really rare, and it wasn't something you could test for. It was a rule-out diagnosis, so they ruled out many other things. Right. I would think in some ways it would be hard, um, if, especially in rare cases, autoimmune uh, immune diseases, et cetera, to um, always be sure. I mean, I think sometimes we want doctors to be sure. And then I think sometimes doctors want to also want to be sure, but there's this gray area of um, the unknown. And I think that creates a lot of gray area in communication. Yes. No. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and again, because we tend to think of doctors as all knowing. 
yeah. it's hard for us to question their, their authority. Yeah. Um, because I have such a background with a doctor. Right. It wasn't as hard for me. Um, but I just, you know, I can't imagine what it's like for someone who has no idea. Yeah. Or if I didn't understand the terminology they were using, I'd say, you know, I, I don't understand that. What, what do you mean? Yeah. So how, I mean, you know, I, there's no, we don't need to point fingers, I, but I do think it's helpful to figure out where is the breakdown? Is it breakdown on the doctor side? Cause they're, they're, you know, have a big head of, or is it on the patient side? Cause they're too timid to ask, like, what's the. I think there's a breakdown on both sides. Yeah. You know, the, the doctors are pushed to see so many patients a day. Yeah. And I know it never bothered me if the doctor, if we were called late to an appointment because I knew that there were times they spent more than there a lot of times with, with us. Mm. Um, so it didn't bother me to get called in late. And I know people complain because they sit in the waiting room for 30 minutes or, or whatever. But if that doctor's spending that time with each patient and they're being pushed to only spend 15, 20 minutes with each patient, yeah. you know, it's not fair to anyone. Right. Yeah. Um, so if they had a better way to connect with their patients, to, to make that connection in a short time, to listen, to, you know, to really listen and, and do more of the hands-on stuff. I know I, I read a lot of stuff about doctors who are behind their computers. Um, mm -hmm. And because they're doing a lot of their charting while they're seeing their patients. Right, right. Um, one of the best things that, that I liked was up in the Mayo Clinic, one of the doctors we saw, he actually phoned in his notes, his chart notes, as we were sitting in the room and then asked if we had any questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, he dictated those notes and said, so do you have any questions about that? Yeah. I can only imagine the, um, in, in a space where like for me, if it were me in my family and somebody was sick and I had to rely on a doctor and I wasn't, I wasn't sure if the doctor was giving me um, straight answers or not. And I still have questions, but don't feel free to ask the questions. Like I would be in all sorts of panic or anxiety. And I'm, sh I'm sure that my, how I'm being in the world, not just with the doctor, but with my family and with the rest of the world would be m less than my best self. Yeah. <laughs> do, you see, do you see that? I mean, do you see that at all? I think that's one of the. Oh yeah. I, I went through major stress. Um, yeah. which probably contributed to the breast cancer. Hmm. Yeah. And wow. The, the right. stress level that I had for so many years. Yeah. I think this, here's why it's so important to me because I feel like you're, you're pointing to something that um, the sickness, uh, the, the, the dis-ease in the world, like we're just at this all time high, I feel like of people um, being stressed, anxious, having sickness, and, and this is an uncommon place to look for some of that happening, right? Inside of communication and connection, like the lack of communication and connection can actually fuel the sickness. Yes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely yeah. believe it can. Um, yeah. Right. 
and maybe not even between that, dare I say, not even between the doctor and the patient, but between everyone in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't think that's a far stretch for that at all. I think that's between husbands and wives and between children and parents and yes, totally. So what's, what, I mean, what is the, how do we start to unravel that? Cause I think, well, you, I, first of all, I th- feel like there's two things you're saying. One is the bedside manner or the, the interaction that happens when the doctor's in the room. And then there's the, the experience of us waiting for like the process in, in where we don't feel heard, understood, seen. We don't know why we're waiting. Like there's, and all of it can, creates disconnect. Right, but it's different phase, different parts of the process that creates this disconnect. And it sounds like you're saying that there's, uh, well, that's what I want to hear. It's like, what's the answer? Is it connection? Like, what's the answer? Uh, I surely, I surely do think that it's connection, and that by doctors and patients having more connection, there there can be more synergy in their care in their patients' care, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and they can help each other. Um, I had one doctor who I relied on heavily at KU Med Center, and he would answer questions for me whether they had anything to do with his specialty or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. And honestly, there were two doctors there who, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I emailed, and within 20 minutes, I 20 or 30 minutes, I had heard from both of them what, what wow. my next steps should be. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I felt like we made some really good connections. Mm-hmm with some of those doctors on and on the one hand i understand that as a as a patient Mm -hmm. i love that the surgeon would call me at eight o'clock at night or he'd email me at 10 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. or before he went to work in the morning if i emailed him late Um, however I also understand that as people, mm. they need time away from their professions. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and we had one doctor tell us that when he was on vacation, after the kids went to bed, he would sit down and check emails. And mm. it's like, really, you need to be on vacation. Yeah. But as a patient, I appreciated that they would do that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, right, right. So it's, it's kind of a catch 22. I feel like there's something in the human spirit that when we are, um, when we have connection, um, grace kind of comes into the relationship. There's all sorts of room and grace for people to be human, to be on vacation, to not have responded to my email. Um, when we don't have that connection, all of a sudden we get very panicky and we control things and we, we become I don't want to say unreasonable, but we, we become more demanding. There's not as forgiving and grace. There's not as much grace in the relationship. Yeah. And I, right. I would have to say that, especially if I knew that those doctors were out of town or doing something, it certainly didn't bother me if they didn't, didn't answer an email or didn't return a phone call. Because you had connection? Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. And because I believe that they need time off too. Again, I I was the Hmm. daughter of the only doctor in town. He was on call 24-7. Yeah, right. Um, When I was in grade school through high school, if he wanted to take, truly take time off and take a vacation, he had to hire someone to come in. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. So what's, so walk me through then um, into the kind of work that you do in the world. So we've, we kind of addressed like what's the, the breakdown and then also how do we connection is sort of the bridge to making it better, but how do you, how do people work with you? Like how do you get into this process and help people? Well, so there are a lot of tools that um, we learn in the equine gestalt coaching program that can be used to help communications, to help people better understand themselves, um, how they communicate, how they can show up, how they can make contact or make a better connection with a patient, how they might be able to put their last patient away before they go see the next one. Um, Just a quick 90 second process before they step into the room with a new patient and make a better connection with that, that patient that they're going in to see um, rather than just running from room to room. Mm -hmm. Um, Listening better. Again, I think that's very important. And, and as I'm sure you've seen, as you've done these interviews, the horses are, are amazing at teaching us things that, that is outside our awareness, I guess. Yeah. Helping us find those, those things that are outside our awareness. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just amazing healers. Yeah. So your work uh, is for caregivers. You, you will actually work with doctors, um, at home caregivers, uh, even not, how did you say it earlier? Like not trained caregivers? Like, what do you call that? Uh, family caregivers, I think was probably the word that I used. Not that, you know, not that a loved one might not be officially a family member, but, but yeah. Um, yeah, because six and a half years ago, I was kind of shoved into Mm. being a caregiver. Got it. I, I drove most of those miles. Um, right. And I listened. And the other thing that I found was it was really interesting to see how differently my husband and I would hear what the doctors were saying. Mm. Mm. Um, which kind of puts a real different perspective on things too. Yeah. So if I were a doctor or a family caregiver, um, and I was looking for, I I think some, I'm trying to think like a doctor would look for, how do I, I mean, if I, this this feels so businessy, but if I were trying to think about what, what, what takes my ratings up or what has, I'm not sure how doctors measure that, but I would imagine there's something that when you're, when your reviews are better, when it's better for you. Well, I would assume so. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of it, right? It's the task oriented nature of like, but you said earlier, like they, they need to see more and more doctors. They're being pushed more and more patients. And so this task orientation kicks in rather than this human connection. Um, That and the other thing they have to do is fill out all kinds of insurance stuff. Right. Um, Right. Get pre-approvals. You know, we worked a lot with the, the nurses as well. Right. Right. As the doctors, because they're, they're, you know, the main, people who set things up. I just had this idea too that in if as a doctor when things are so task oriented like I think people get into the profession to help Mm -hmm. serve and but then you get overrun by task oriented stuff and you sort of it it would be easy to start even as a family caregiver it's easy to start to be frustrated by the task rather than connected to the, the person yeah that's true 
And, you know, you see a lot, I've seen a lot of that as far as doctors writing about burnout right. and, and how they have figured out a way to, I think there was one doctor who wrote something about figuring out a way to make a connection with their patients, but they only have like 12 minutes. Oh, right. 12 minutes to make a connection. <laughs> yeah. Right. Amazing. What, um, so how do you, okay, so if I'm a doctor or family caregiver and I want, I, I'm clear that I want to be reconnected to the connection of this all and the synergy that makes it all better so I can enjoy my life, I can enjoy my family, I can, exactly. I, I can, I can do what I'm here to do without the drudgery of the task. How do people reach, how do people work with you? How do they reach out to you? Okay, they can reach me through my website, which is connectionandsynergy.com. Connectionandsynergy.com. Yes. Cool. Is. Got it. Got it. Okay, good. And, and I would imagine um, they would reach out and you would have a, some type of a discovery call or kind of figure out what they're exactly to accomplish yeah. and how to help what, them. What they might like to accomplish, what um, have a, a free discovery call. If we need to do a free session, which because of where I'm located right now, it would be kind of hard, but mostly the discovery call. Perfect. Yeah. So good. Well, I think this is really important work because I feel like the healthcare um, system as a whole is really is under my, mag, uh, a mic. what do you call it? A, a magnifying glass? Microscope. Microscope. <laughs> I was mixing my, my metaphors, but yeah, I feel like it is because um, th there's a lot of dissatisfaction. And I think ultimately as patients, we just want to um, be cared for and know what's happening. And as doctors, I think we want to just help as caregivers. We want to help and so we want the same thing, I think. It's just creating that connection, like you say, and the synergy that comes from that. They do. They want, they only want the best for their patient. I love it. I think this is really important work right now. So thank you for that. Thank you for our conversation today, Susan. Until uh, next time, take care. Thank you, Chris.